Hi listeners, it's Laurie here flying solo. Today we're going to do a demo of the thing we talked about in last week's episode, so let me just catch you up if you missed it. Uh, Phil and I are going to try and make the Super Bailey Bros a fortnightly podcast from now on for a variety of slightly boring reasons, but we hope it's going to result in something that's better for you guys to listen to. And right now we're discussing whether it's going to be me doing a separate podcast that covers new releases every Friday, or me doing a podcast that's going to be part of the Super Belly Bros but also doing new releases every Friday I have to admit to you I'm leaning towards doing the separate podcast thing because it gives us another run at the charts and it helps keep things a little bit cleaner so Super Belly Bros is me and Phil talking films talking rubbish all that sort of stuff whereas this is more me reviewing films in a briefer way and you know I get to have guests on every now and again there's no one here with me today so I'm sort of talking to myself following a piece of advice I'm like talking to a hoover so you can imagine that I'm imagining you guys as the hoover so hopefully it sounds personal but normally I'm going to be able to chat to someone else so whether that's Judith my wife who's been on every now and again or some kind of mysterious special guest we'll have to wait and see so think of this as kind of a pilot let us know what you think send your thoughts to superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on twitter the three films i'm going to cover this week are downsizing from alexander payne and that stars matt damon and Kristen wig as well as christoph waltz and hong chow loads of great performers in that one i'm also going to do nick park's early man the latest ardman adventure following a sort of reimagining of what it was like for cavemen and then 12 Strong, which is the military true story starring Chris Hemsworth and Michael Shannon as well. So there are the three films. And I want to say at this point as well, thank you so much to anyone who managed to tune in to me appearing on BBC South. That's BBC One, if you're in the right region, a couple of days ago to chat about Loving Vincent. That was a surreal experience. I had to do it from New Broadcasting House because I was in London at the time. I got to sit in that glamorous building on the mezzanine floor with all the hardworking journalists everywhere. And like it really was just a camera in the middle of a room. Like There were people on desks about a metre from me. I was trying to stare at the camera. You know, I couldn't see myself and I was trying to remember it all it was it was a bizarre thing and I, I think I got away with it maybe a few too many hand gestures I mean, watching it back I thought mm, if if they ever ever have me back on ever again which I hope they do then I'd do all this differently it also made me think of a question for you guys as well which is how do you do FaceTime calls or video conference calls because I found it really weird actually not being able to see myself at all and not know kind of how I was coming across like that and I don't know whether this reflects badly on me and it made me think that actually when I do a FaceTime call you know you have three options for that don't you either you look directly into the camera of the device that little dark spot at the top of your laptop or your phone so you're making sort of digital eye contact with the person on the other end of the call or you look at them so you look at the screen you don't make eye contact but you're looking at them or the shameful one do you look at the tiny little version of you the little mirror version of you in the bottom right corner to make sure that you're looking cool or that your best side is coming across or that your hair doesn't look weird or you haven't got some kind of fluff on your shirt or whatever else it is and I guess I realised I'm that last one slightly embarrassingly I think I need to have a visual reference of myself isn't that terrible anyway hope you enjoy this sort of experiment here's the jingle and then we'll get going (laughs) 
First up, we're going to look at Downsizing from Alexander Payne, starring Matt Damon, Kristen Wiig, Christoph Waltz and Hong Chow. Now, Alexander Payne, listeners, might not be a familiar name to you, but he is quite well known. He did a film called Sideways a long time ago that is one of my favourite sort of offbeat comedies, maybe of all time. It stars Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church, and they're two guys who go off on a kind of stag do into wine country and make terrible decisions and learn about the ways they need to solve uh, these sort of problems in their character and personalities before they can move on to what life has to offer next. It's really wonderful and very well observed and got some absolutely hilarious scenes that you just won't see coming. And actually downsizing is really quite like that. There's been quite a lot of mixed reception from the press and audiences who've seen this film. And one of the problems, I think, is the way that it's been advertised. So we're going to play the trailer in a minute and you'll be able to hear it for yourselves because... It really sounds like it's going to be a comedy, a bit like, I don't know, Toy Story, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, or uh, perhaps even The Borrowers, where we just realise how bizarre it would be to encounter the world if you're only five inches tall, because that's a central conceit. Um, an amazing Norwegian scientist has developed a way to shrink the body down to about five inches tall, and that means that natural resources go further, you know, there's less consumption of fossil fuels, and it's environmentally brilliant, and more than that, your money goes a lot further as well because you know that the rest of the world is still the same size so things still cost the same but because you're so tiny you need so much less that does that make sense so that your money goes further all that sort of stuff and it examines the various reasons why people might want to do that and particularly Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig are a married couple who decide you know this is what they've been waiting for this is where to find the joys of life properly it's where to have their dream home where to you know live life free of consequences and maybe this is who they're truly meant to be so they go through the process and unbeknownst to Matt Damon who goes through it all and we watch this bizarre sequence where they're shrunk down they have to have their teeth removed so because the teeth don't get shrunk all that sort of stuff when he wakes up the other side his wife isn't there and it turns out she couldn't go through with the procedure so what looked like a dream idea is beginning to rapidly go downhill for Matt Damon and it's through him that we see everything uh have a listen to the trailer and then we'll chat a bit more about it the other side the cause of all the catastrophes we are seeing today is overpopulation we are proud to unveil the only practical remedy to humanity's gravest problem are you ready doctor yes i'm ready wow that is wild isn't it it's just wild Dave, Dave Johnson. Hey, everybody. And Carol. He never struck me as the kind of guy who'd go get small. Downsizing takes the pressure right off. Plus, you're really making a difference. You mean all that crap about saving the planet? Yeah. Downsizing is about saving yourself. We live like kings. We got the best houses, best restaurants, Cheesecake Factory. We got three of them. In Leisure Land, your $52,000 translates to $12.5 million to live on for life. Wow. Do you understand that you will undergo the permanent and irreversible medical procedure commonly known as downsizing and that your bodies will be approximately 0.0364% of their current mass and volume? Nervous? Uh, little. I'll see you on the other side. I love you. The world is filled with things to see. Same as it ever was. Sometimes you think we're in the normal world. And then something happens. Oh my God. 
and you realise we're not. Yeah, there you go. So do you see what I mean? The trailer makes it sound really kind of like a, a funny, quirky film. And it's definitely funny and quirky, but it's got completely different goals than you might imagine. And particularly when Hong Chao's character is introduced and she is sort of a Vietnamese activist who has resisted the government and been downsized as a punishment and is in this weird downsized world in such a bizarre way given her activist roots that it shocks Matt Damon and the way that she chooses to live her life helping people and well I won't spoil it for you the way she chooses to live her life really impacts Matt Damon and it becomes a film that is entirely about self-discovery so Christoph Waltz's character Dushan who's a Serbian playboy comes in and becomes a very unlikely friend to Matt Damon he's living the luxurious lifestyle while Matt Damon is having to work like a call centre job because when his wife divorces him actually loads of that money they were counting on disappears so he's not living the dream life he's actually living kind of a normal life instead and Dushan introduces him to Hong Chao things get really really bizarre they go all over this tiny world and they learn a lot of lessons and the key thing I think you need to think about if you want to enjoy this film is you need to try and ignore the fact that it's about shrinking people to five inches tall because it really is very little to do with that. In fact, the way that the film chiefly uses that is just to create really quirky sets. There's some really clever production design going on so that although everything is in proportion, little choices about materials and thicknesses of different items really give you the sense that these people are living in a toy box universe, even though everything is kind of in, in scale. It's, I think it's a brilliant piece of subtle production design. But that's really kind of it, apart from a few jokes, and it is far more to do with identity and purpose. I would actually describe this as one of the most subversive films I've seen in a very long time, because it is directly speaking to the modern age, where identity is absolutely enormous in the public mindset, whether that be, I don't know, gender, whether it be your class, whether it be your job, whether it be your home, whether it be your friends. This is all to do with how we sort of grade our lives and how we seek purpose in life. And I think it is bitingly sarcastic to the point where some of the things it references I think might be sailing a little bit too close to the wind. And what is interesting is that the general reception it gets is that people feel it tries to tackle too many social issues. Oh, it's got too heavy-handed an environmental message. Oh, it's got too heavy-handed a message about how we need to help people. And but oh, oh and this is all about a white man and you know in his fifties. Who cares about these middle aged? But you know, and I really don't think that's any of those things. I think I think that kind of misses the point. It is so much to do with identity and how Matt Damon is not really sympathetic in this film. You're not really meant to identify with him except in his hopelessness and in kind of in his idiocy, if I can call it that. Whereas Hong Chao's character is an amazing counterpoint who sees the world very very differently. I have to admit that I've thought about it a lot since. I found it very kind of encouraging and thought-provoking. It challenged a lot of my ideas. And if you're willing to give the film that space to do that, I think you might really, really enjoy it. And Christoph Waltz, I mean, it's just fantastic. I mean, we've got used to kind of seeing him play the same psychopath character, bad guy, playing it very, very calm. This is completely the other side. And I completely believed him as a Serbian playboy and... Yeah, it, it just does interesting things with all their relationships. So I really enjoyed the film. I think it is far better than the critics and audience reception would have you believe. So for me, I'm going to give it an A minus and I'll be looking forward to seeing it again. So if you have seen it, get in touch. Superbellybros at gmail.com at Superbellybros on Twitter. Isn't this strange? Right, time for another review. Right, so Early Man is next and this is directed and written by Nick Park and this is 
a classic plasticine stop-motion animation adventure set in the very, very early days of mankind. So the opening, we get to see dinosaurs fighting, and there's a little subtitle underneath that says a Neo-Pleistocene era. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but I guess the joke is the Neo-Pleistocene era. Do you get it? And then the camera zooms out a little bit, and we get near Manchester, but obviously there's like volcanoes and trees in the shot. And then it zooms out even further, and we see cavemen fighting each other with clubs, and the subtitle is Around Lunchtime. So that is a nice bit of scene setting, and it is about, I don't know, 10 seconds, maybe less, At that point, listeners, I was thinking, wow, what a film. This sounds fantastic. And then things changed quite dramatically because it's not really a film about cave people, as it turns out. We do get an opening shot of this very happy valley-dwelling tribe who are so timid they struggle together to eat rabbits, but that keeps them going. They're one with nature, all that sort of stuff, a bit of an idyll, and they're very, very quirky. We get Eddie Redmayne voicing Doug, who's our main plucky character. Timothy Spall uh, voices the chief. Then you've got other people like Richard Ayoade and uh, Johnny Vegas, of all people, voicing these sort of quirky cave people characters characters and their idol is shattered almost instantly by the bronze age who turn up on lord of the rings-esque massive bronze clad elephants led by bizarrely french accent speaking tom hiddleston he plays lord nooth you won't recognize it's tom hiddleston it's not a bad french accent but i did question why these people are french and it's exactly at that point i started to worry a little bit because i thought hang on a minute the english and the french you know isn't that going back sort of 30 years about a jokey rivalry i'm not sure it really applies anymore maybe it's not appropriate but i don't know maybe you're less nervous about that than i was um so the bronze age turn up they sweep away this tribe who can't fight back at all and they decide they're going to build a bronze mine in that particular valley instead doug can't handle this so he chases down the bronze age people and discovers not only do they have a very civilized society behind a big city wall but they also are amazing at a sport called football that he kind of hasn't heard of before and he watches real bronzio dominate on the field of play and only later does he connect the fact that this game resembles cave drawings that he and his tribe have been familiar with for many many years and he figures oh hang on did our ancestors play football then or something like that he finds the game entrancing and in a you know a moment of craziness he stands up to lord nooth he announces himself and says look i want you to leave our valley and i'm going to persuade my cave people tribe to beat you at a game of football and if we win you've got to leave our valley alone so we can go back to our idyllic existence that's the plot listeners here's the trailer let's talk about it afterwards Chief! time to go hunting bit early is it dark right grab a spear Oh, it's pointy. Change your underpants today? Yeah, change them with dongle. <laughs> Never mind. Shush, everyone. Attack! Excellent. The edge of stone is over. Long live the edge of bronze. Hey! Where have you been, the Stone Age? I've got to save the tribe. Fiorina's this way. So throw your sticks and throw your stones, cause you ain't gonna break my bones. Huh? 
So I think there's a few red flags in there if you haven't picked up some already. So the music is very sort of upbeat, underdog, British story thing, Eddie the Eagle, for example, and the jokes in there, crikey. I mean, your dad would be doing well if he came up with them. I feel I'm allowed to say that as a father myself, just FYI. The thing is, it it feels so old. And, you know, immediately with those jokes, especially, it reminded me of the brilliant one from Chicken Run. Oh, I don't want to be a pie. I don't like gravy. I hope hopefully you're chuckling at the memory of that rather than my impression of it. That's a good gag. And on one level, it's quite hard to see what is different from that uh, to these ones here. I mean, there's a character called Gonad. They say he'll never get past his tackle. Ho, ho, ho. There's a character who's called Asbo. I mean, what? That's like 10 years ago. That was going on when I was at school. And there's even <laughs> there's even a moment where they play a Kaiser Chief song. So when he gets onto the pitch at one point to illustrate the laddie action of what's going on, we get, I predict a riot, which again, over 10 years old, it was a very, very odd moment. I It just, everything was signalling, hang on a second, this feels out of touch, this feels out of sync, and nothing compounded it more than the terribly, terribly off-the-shelf underdog football team plot. I mean, it is literally pulled off the shelf. There's no nuance in there, there's no real relation to the cave people's setting whatsoever, and it is beat for beat hitting the same dramatic moments as Dodgeball, if you remember that. Possibly Space Jam, although Space Jam a bit more interesting because it's got aliens involved and Looney Tunes and everything else. I don't... I really couldn't deal with how generic and how unsurprising and uninspired this was because those opening 10 seconds promised so much more. I mean, you know, the animation is just as wonderful as it ever was. And there's a lot of ambition in this, particularly with fur. You know, there's a warthog character who acts a bit like Doug's friendly dog companion. And the animation for his coat is really wonderful to see. And obviously, there's so much attention to detail that's gone into this. And, you know, a lot of money. I think it's a $50 million budget for this film. I just... I expected so, so much more with the memory of things like the Wallace and Gromit adventures, even the Curse of the Were-Rabbit and Chicken Run. There's something really, really missing from this particular film. And I would say it might appeal to quite young children who just like the slapsticky moments and, you know, there's a giant duck at one point, that sort of thing. And maybe adults who are, I don't know, parents, been parents for a while in their 40s plus, that kind of thing, where this is stirring the memories of old school humour, a bit more like Faulty Towers or something. But... The gap in between that, I just don't think it's going to connect. And I'm really sad to say that. So if you have seen it and loved it, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts. Send them to superbellybros at gmail.com, at superbellybros on Twitter. But it really didn't do it for me. And I think it was that disappointment that really killed it for me because I was I was so looking forward 
to a classic adventure, you know, with so much love and craft to it. So, um, yeah, disappointment um, overall. I think for me, it gets a B minus and I'm in no rush to see it again. Sadly. There we go. Last for this week, but not least, as it happens, 12 Strong, starring Chris Hemsworth and Michael Shannon, is a, as the trailer is about to proudly announce, a declassified true story about some US military action that took place immediately following the 9-11 attacks. And it is true, it's based on Doug Stanton's uh, sort of documentary book, Horse Soldiers, covering it, and the title does tell a story which we'll come to later. And it's directed by Nikolai Fugelsig. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is a Danish director, and it's his debut film. And it's a really fascinating uh, thing that he's got this one, because he sort of came to attention because he was doing photography and I think videography during the Kosovo War. And he created a documentary, a short one called Return of the Exiled, uh, which basically won loads of awards and people were astonished by his creativity and skill with a camera covering a conflict like that. And I think that really tells, actually, as the film goes on, for negative and positive reasons. But uh, we'll just do the plot for now, then the trailer, then we'll come back to that criticism. So it's about a Task Force Dagger, 12 guys, 12 team members, who really want to be in the thick of the action following that awful terrorist attack. They get sent to Afghanistan to meet up with and support General Dostum, who is a sort of, uh, can I say, warlord in that area. That's kind of how the film describes him later on. He's got a force and they're going to work with him to take down the Taliban in various key cities. But it's a very, very difficult job because the lines of supply are unclear, the kind of resources are unclear, the uh, approaches to military strategy are unclear. There's maybe trust issues between these two teams of people and questions about why and how you know it's got classic sort of uh, modern warfare uh, political and social uh, ramifications all that sort of stuff but its main goal is to tell a genuinely inspiring and fascinating true story so uh, let's have the trailer and we'll talk about it you taking me to school again uh-huh i'm picking you up daddy two planes have crashed into the world trade center and an is that a part of some drill? Ain't no drill. 19 men attacked our country. The 12 of you will be the first ones to fight back. How do you love your family and leave them to go to war? I have two hours. I'll be really quick. Not a chance. Holding out is the only way I can guarantee you come back to me. War's gonna be only a week. <laughs> I don't care how long you're gone. As long as you come back. is going to be on a minefield from a hundred different wars. Odds are we're not all going to make it out of this one. If we don't take that city, World Trade Center is just the beginning. We're teaming up with the General of the Northern Alliance that we know nothing about. General, you show me exactly where we're going. Well, what are the mountains? We take horses. All right, who's ridden before? Anyone? Summer camp when I was nine. Spring break when I was pretty hammered. Does it have a name? The name? Hey, this will be fun. We're outnumbered. 50,000 Taliban and Al-Qaeda fighters. We're on our own. I can't order anyone to do this. Do you want to surrender? Keep your finger on the trigger. Stay there. Oh, God. There's no playbook here. We're going to have to write it ourselves. No, I won't 
I ain't losing one man on this team. You could stay. We're fighting with horsemen against tanks. The greatest weapon in history is this. There ain't no easy way out. If you die, that's a letter you and your wife are gonna wish you wrote. I made her a promise. I'm coming home. Declassified true story of the horse soldiers. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know what your appetite is for war movies, listeners, but I feel I've seen a lot of them. You know, we had Hacksaw Ridge uh, last year. I have seen Journey's End this week, which uh, we'll cover next week if we can. And after a while, you feel like there's a method, there's a pattern for doing this kind of thing. So for the first 20 minutes or so of this film, and it is a moderately long film, I was really not exactly worried but slightly concerned about where things were going because it was just full of cliches. I mean, there was sort of nothing that happened that hasn't happened a million times before. And worse than that, Chris Hemsworth's American accent or attempts at an American accent really weren't doing it for me. And I just thought, what, what is Thor doing in the middle uh, of a, a US military offensive? Although I suppose that is the way the Avengers films are going these days. So it really wasn't working for me for quite a long time. But then when the actual events of the true story start taking shape of the narrative and we do see the kind of problems this team had to face and the sort of bizarre fairy tale like quality that uh, happened with some of the offensives it completely and utterly gripped me and you know it's not for no reason that the book was called horse soldiers and some of the stuff that happens you kind of i don't i'm trying not to spoil it listeners i'm sure you can tell is kind of breathtaking and i was very tense when the maneuvers were going on because the film very clearly lays out what's at stake and where the danger might come from and sort of telegraphs the surprises in a helpful way so that they're still surprising but you know you know you're you're there with the characters uh, in the emotions that they're feeling and I really was glad for the way the film was sensitive in its portrayal of General Dostum and his army as well because they didn't immediately descend into caricatures of either side the Americans or the Afghanis but they did do a really good job of showing the way that the relationship developed you know, yes it descends into kind of war cliches and platitudes and things but by the time it gets there you kind of forgive it because of what's gone on and the fact that it's a true story and you know Nikolai Fugelsig's experience shooting actual sort of military maneuvers really comes across because I was you know I had my breath taken away I thought is this practical do they really have that many tanks do they really have that many extras do they have that many horses are those explosions real you know I don't want to sound silly about it but I couldn't tell in some places where the CGI was ending and the real stuff was beginning like that famous quote about Jurassic Park right where they say couldn't tell where the real dinosaur stopped and the CGI and the computer ones began that kind of thing so for me listeners actually I, I really liked it I'd probably give it a B plus because it really exceeds my expectations kind of the reverse of my review of early man which just went downhill this rose uphill so if you want a stirring predictable but intriguing war film this is for you certainly well there you are listeners i hope you enjoyed that i hope you enjoyed getting a quick rundown of some of the films at the cinema this kind of thing going forwards it won't it won't often just be me on my own uh, i'll generally have someone else to chat to but it might be me on my own sometimes and the key thing is that i'll be covering films that are going to be out that day so they'll be totally fresh totally new you know you can plan your weekends film watching all that sort of stuff or you can immediately come back at me seeing it that weekend saying laurie what on earth are you talking about so uh, i hope you enjoyed that special episode of super Betty bros in movie land looking 
forward to being back on with Phil next week. Hopefully he'll see one of those and tell me just how very wrong I am about my opinions. Uh, have a great week and I'll speak to you next week, quite possibly from a new podcast and an old podcast all in one. It's an exciting time. I hope you'll stay with us through it all. Okay, bye. Have a great week. Thank you.